Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, the story of a housing crisis in a small east coast town where a desperate search is on to find a home for a young mum of three and a new $90 million housing fund that could be a game changer. We just need more urgency, don't we? You know, it's, it's very frustrating to see these extreme housing needs and at the same time see houses being, being finished and left empty or being vacated and left empty simply because there's just not enough urgency. That's Roy Thompson and we'll hear more details about his plans. First though to Oporteki where six brand new Kainga Order houses have sat empty for two months and that's not unusual. But just down the road, Magnolia Court Motel is evicting emergency housing tenants and many of them have nowhere to go. Enid Ratahi Pryor is Chief Executive of Ngāti Awa Social and Health Services, which is trying to find them new homes. Whānau were given their notices um, over a week ago now, so nothing has changed. Whānau is still having to be relocated into other accommodation. Uh, I understand from my staff that there have been four homes that have been found for whānau, um, so they still have another seven to go. And how difficult is it to find homes for them? There are no homes here, there are no houses available, and what exasperates the whole situation is the fact that you've actually got not only the vulnerable Um, those who are not working, those with um, families who are also not working. But what exasperates the situation is that we've also got working uh, families looking for accommodation. So these are families who um, obviously don't own their own home, who are having to rent. So when you're actually having to compete um, as a whānau coming out of one of these hotels with families where both parents are working, um, uh, even though, albeit maybe on a, a low wage, they're still working and still more desirable to many landlords who are renting out their homes. So not only are, do we have a housing situation here where there simply are no houses, but it's such a competitive um, market. Why are there no houses in Oportiki? And I know that that's representative of the rest of the region, but... What's going on there? Well, I think it's about years and years of neglect in the social housing space. So I would probably put it back to about 20 years ago. There was a housing shortage then, um, particularly in social housing. And um, we have just never had the houses built to meet the demand 20 years ago. And so what you're dealing with now is not only the demand that existed back then, but um, an increased labour force, remembering um, this community does uh, rely on primary products. So we have um, quite a few overseas workers coming in. So if you've got vulnerable families whose housing was never increased, whose social housing was not increased 20 years ago, um, that that's led to the situation we're in, which is an absolute disaster. You might get one new listing come up a fortnight if you're lucky. So those seven houses that you need for these people who've been in the emergency accommodation, where where are you going to find them? 
well, we may have to look out of district. Um, that's not un- uncommon. Who knows where they're going to end up? I know of some whānau who are actually having to live in their cars um, and have been doing so for quite some time. The campgrounds um, have a local bylaw that prohibits the period of stay in a campground. So, you know, our options are very limited um, in terms of alternatives to houses. So it's not that we're not looking for those alternatives, but there are always restrictions around them. And I'm looking at these figures. 564 people are on the public housing register from across the Eastern Bay. Look, it's the way you count the numbers. It may be just over 500 people on the housing register, but what they do not count are families who are actually living with families, who are living with families. We have serious overcrowding going on here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. We may have sometimes three families, each with their own three kids. I know of families where there are up to 12 living in a three-bedroom home, 12, and that's predominantly children, and they're not on the housing register. So what we need to do is look underneath these numbers and ask ourselves the question. We're just relabeling and continuing to relabel homelessness. Roy Thompson told me about Kainga Order homes that were completed in November in Oporteke that are still empty. Are you aware of those? I can't comment on those. What what you'll find is there's usually quite a complex situation behind the allocation of houses. So there's usually an assessment process, an assessment system that has to be gone through. Um, So while they look empty, quite often there is a process that's actually ongoing behind the scenes. I think that we could be a lot sharper and a lot faster in the way that um, we're allocating these homes. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Kainga Order says the six four-bedroom homes were ready mid-December and one family has moved in. It expects to sign three more whānau this week and it's matching the last two homes with suitable families. That's not good enough for Roy Thompson, who was in a portiki a couple of weeks ago. It's situations like this one that have inspired the fund. Tell me about this new fund. What are you calling it for a start? So the fund is called the Bay of Plenty Housing Equity Fund. Not very imaginative, but quite descriptive. What is it? Well, it's basically addressing you know, the same sort of problem that you have everywhere around New Zealand and in many places overseas, that um, you know, there's lots of people doing good things out there in the housing space, and, and I'm talking the affordable housing space. But, you know, a lot of organisations don't have sufficient capital to get their housing projects off the ground. So this fund is all about addressing that problem uh, by taking partnerships with community-based housing organisations to help them get things done, really. There's already these kind of schemes out there. I mean, what, what, what makes this one different? Most of the schemes that are out there are debt-based, so they're, they're lending schemes. You know, the clue to this fund is in the name, the Housing Equity Fund. So this is all about not only uh, addressing the, the sort of the social equity issue, 
but actually providing equity to, to housing providers. Which means taking you know, joint venture approaches, as an example, say a, a community housing provider or an iwi, uh, or even councils. Maybe they've got some land, maybe they've got a little bit of capital, but they don't have sufficient to actually just crack on. And who are the different partners in this fund? So that's uh, Bay Trust, Rotorua Trust, uh, Trust Horizon uh, out of Whakatane, Tekt, and Tauranga City Council. And yourselves? Uh, so ourselves, New Ground Capital and Bright Lights have been appointed by those five uh, founder shareholders as co-manager of the fund. They each put in a certain amount of money? So the $45 million, uh, is equity that they're putting in and then we'll raise some debt on top of that. So that'll make the full total of 90. And what do you, as the manager, what do you then do? So we're already out uh, roaming around the Bay of Plenty, talking to a wide variety of organisations, um, community housing providers, different iwi, different councils and other community-based housing organisations, having discussions around ways that we can help them. And we've already got projects moving along. Can you give me an example? Yeah, so we're talking to a community housing provider based in Tauranga who has some land and they want to build accessible housing units for elder citizens um, on that land. They don't have the free capital to actually do the development work, um, nor do they have the development expertise. So we're able to come in, take a partnership approach with them, provide the the equity capital they need uh, um, to build the actual units on the land and provide development expertise at the same time. Is it, is it going to be a mix of, um, you know, houses that you'll sell to anybody and then more sort of community-based housing? Or how, how's it going to work? How would it work? Yeah, so we can do a broad range of housing. So we can do papakainga housing on Whenua Māori. We can do emergency housing, if, that, if that's appropriate. Affordable rentals, open market rentals, elder citizen housing, you name it. So yeah. they, they'll come to you and, you know, an organisation or an iwi, yes, for example, correct. will come to you and say, we've got this land, mm-hmm. we have a plan to build some housing on it. Yes. We Can you help us? Can you provide the funding? Correct, yep. And then we have to look, our job then is to look at two aspects. We, we, we have a relatively modest financial target that we need to return on the the capital to the founder shareholders. Um, but Which then we is? CPI plus 4%. Once CPI comes back down to uh, the Reserve Bank's target range, we're certainly well below what a normal commercial return would be Six on and this. 6.5%-ish. Around about that. Yeah. Yep. At a very high level, our task is to contribute new housing into the market that's affordable and targeted at those people most in need. It's a game changer. Well, I think it's a game changer in a number of different ways. The first and mo- probably most important way is it's, it's true collaboration. And it's something that I think we don't do that often or particularly well in New Zealand, strangely. You know, here you've got five organisations that have uh, come together around this, this common concern and they're pooling their capital. And that's, that's a really powerful thing. And people might say, oh, well, 45 million uh, equity, even w- w- with the debt, up to 90 million. It's not going to go that far. Mm. But actually, that's just the starting point. And it will take us quite a while to deploy that amount of capital. You know, housing doesn't get built quickly, as we know. And we're already in discussions with other parties, other investment organisations who are going to join the fund from outside the Bay of Community, which is pretty exciting. So over time, uh, you know, we'll be able to add more capital in there and really scale that thing up. We've also been approached already by other councils around the country who are aware of the model, looking at it closely and pretty excited about it for their own areas. And we really hope that that this does become a template for, for other regions around New Zealand. 
why aren't we on top of this? I mean, you know, the, we've been talking about this for such a long time. You, you've been trying to, mm. to do something about it for many years. Yes. Why aren't we on top of this already? Sometimes it feels like the more you do, the, the, the greater the problem becomes. And it, it's complex, of course. You know, there's a lot of good work being done, both by government and, and private organisations. But then, of course, we have, at the moment, record net inward migration. And the reality is that the housing stock that we have, much of it is not fit for purpose anymore. You know, elder housing that pretty much every council has, you know, a lot of it is well past its use-by date in need of replacement, but there's never enough capital. Here in Auckland, you know, 50% of the people living here rent. A huge number of them are renting old, tired, unhealthy homes. Why the Bay of Plenty then? Why, why not Auckland, where surely the need is greatest? Oh, I think the need is, is pretty uh, significant everywhere. Mm-hmm. The fact is that these organisations in the Bay of Plenty have come together around the problem and actually done something about it. They are uh, walking the talk, and our hope is that others will start walking the talk in a similar way. In every region, there are organisations with capital that need to be bold about deploying some of that capital into housing. Um, housing is by far the biggest capital market in New Zealand. You can invest in it, make a return and do good things at the same time. So let's hear from one of the partners that's chipping into the fund. Yeah, kia ora. So um, Alistair Rhodes, currently CEO of Bay Trust and also Chair of the Bay Plenty Housing Equity Fund. Alistair, you and I talked um, nearly eight years ago, actually. I interviewed you about, you know, housing issues. And back then you were talking about this. Why Why has it taken so long? <laughs> yes, and how fast eight years goes. And I think, you know, that COVID interrupted period has really kind of set things back a bit as well. One of the challenges we had is we really wanted to spend the time working with our community and understanding their needs also, you know, corralling five other key investors into this fund, and each of these investors are contributing, you know, five to ten million dollars. So it's a significant investment, even though it's not new overseas. This kind of fund is actually new in New Zealand, so had to work through with the lawyers, the tax consultants, etc. How we set up and structured a fund like this that is attractive to other investors at some stage in the future as well. Why these five? I mean, I'm wondering why not say an iwi. Oh, we've had a number of discussions with Iwi um, over the last couple of years, and um, you know they are really interested in the fund. Actually, a lot of the Iwi are interested in this fund because quite often they've got the land, but they don't necessarily have the capital to actually invest into the projects on their land. So they see this as a really exciting opportunity where they can kind of provide the the land. We'll provide the funding actually to do the developments on the land. So when we think about our Iwi in our region here. You know, land rich, but actually, you know, they can't access capital to do developments on that land quite often because they've lost that land once, right? They're not going to grant security to an Australian-owned bank again, which potentially could take their land off them. So we've got a lot more flexibility into this fund where we can invest alongside Iwi, where they contribute the land and we can do the investment on top. And I think that's a natural kind of fit here. Who owns the homes in the end once one of these deals is done and, and and the homes are built? So some of these homes will be developed by the fund, built by the fund, owned long-term by the fund, and then rented out in a long-term way. So rather than the traditional kind of renting in New Zealand where it's very you know, short-term in nature, it could be a five- or a ten-year kind of lease to just a, a, young, you know, a young family in the house. So some of it will be long-term rent, um, built to rent. Some of it will be built to own. So some of those properties would actually be built by this fund and just kind of sold off. 
Some of them will be leased to community housing providers, uh, charitable community housing providers in this region as well. So it's going to be kind of very much a mixed model um, to get the kind of returns we need and the dynamics we need in that fund as well. And how soon will it be, do you think, before you know, you will see a meaningful difference in terms of the housing crisis in in the Bay of Plenty? Well, you know, I think the housing crisis has taken us 50 years to get into this kind of space, um, and it's going to take decades to really get out of it. I'd like to see that this fund is three to five times its size in about five years' time. And that's when we can start making the kind of material difference. For me, if this fund still sits at $100 million fund size in three to five years' time, it actually hasn't been successful because that's not going to make a meaningful difference. It needs to be set up and structured so that other people, other investors can look at what we've achieved and say, yep, you're achieving a good commercial rate of return. You're achieving a really good positive community impact. We want to invest into this fund as well. But we'd expect in the next three three years to deploy $100 million of investments in this region, which will obviously make a massive difference for those people in those houses as well. Tauranga City Council is involved in this, but not the government. Is that deliberate? Yeah, like I'm obviously very keen to work um, closely together with the government, but we deliberately wanted to build a fund that wasn't dependent on governments. You know, governments have a habit of changing their priorities and policies every two, every three years. Uh, so we do, wanted to develop a fund that wasn't beholden to kind of the government. You know, if they wanted to invest through ACC or NZ Super into this fund, we'd be very ha- happy to kind of enter those kind of investment deals. Um, but we didn't want to just specifically have a fund that the government was a large shareholder in because that's to some extent kind of constraining as well. And, and I think um, the real difference between our model and the KO kind of government model is all the founding shareholders are really embedded into their community. So like ourselves at Bay Trust, but Rotorua Trust, Tech and Tauranga, Trust Horizon and Eastern Bay of Plenty, we know and understand our communities. We're going to be here for 50, 100, 1,000 years ourselves. So we don't want to have, you know, build 20 of exactly the same type of properties in this development. We want mixed tenure, mixed typology and actually building kind of communities. And I think that's what this fund provides a solution for. So how does it appeal to the housing providers? Well, Enid Ratahi Pryor of Ngati Awa Social and Health Services has her doubts. Well, it depends on where they're raising the money. If this is, you know, private equity, um, you can guarantee the investors are always going to get their money back somewhere. Um, I don't know the details. That's why we're meeting with Roy next week. With any investment model, um, you actually have to have a very close look at these. So... Are you, are you saying you're a bit well, wary of it? I'm always wary of private investment because if you're um, a third-party investor, you're looking for a return on your investment. If you are not going to earn more money than what is currently available in other in, on, with other investment mechanisms, um, then why would you look at this particular one? What bothers me is that this whole space over the last three or four years has been looked at as, and this, these aren't my words, I'm quoting words that I saw recently in a newspaper article, cash cows. Now, I find that abhorrent that people should be taking advantage of vulnerable families and the housing situation that exists not only here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty but the rest of the country. Here in particular, it's very bad because of the 
price of um, you know three bedroom homes. I mean, they're now going at eight fifty nine hundred. Who can afford a three bedroom home at eight hundred and fifty dollars a week? Now, when we talk private investment, I know exactly why private investors will be looking at this space because it is being seen as an opportunity. Um, to get returns on your money. So I, I'm not saying that that's what this big fund that's being set up is about, but um, your question to me is, you know, yeah, I'm hesitant about anything that incorporates private investment in the social sector. The only people that should be investing in the social sector is government. Um, Kainga Order should be building more homes. They should be built faster. Um, the building program for the Eastern Bay of Plenty is not impressive. I don't know how they're actually even going to catch up on the backlog, let alone the um, new challenges that the current economic situation is actually putting in place for, for many of these families. It, it's it's an absolute struggle. If you do not have a home, a warm home, a roof, a safe place where you can Look after your three children, as in this case, being evicted from a motel. I use the word evicted because it wasn't by choice. Isn't that a crisis? Isn't that a housing crisis? What's in it for you, Roy, and your company? So our company is co-manager of the fund together with Brightlight. Uh, we're paid a, a management fee for, for managing the fund, um, as any fund manager is, of, er of any fund, really. But surely, you know, another area of investment would, would bring you much greater returns. I mean, is there an altruistic motive here? Yeah, you, you don't do this uh, for the money, let's just say. Um, you've got to feel passionately about this. Um, you know, even just the, 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 the co-design process for the fund, that was uh, a good 18 months of working with the five founder shareholders uh, and the wider community to make sure that you know, both the financial and the impact objectives that we were bringing uh, into this fund were serving, you know, all the, the stakeholders in the right way. In five years' time, will we see, be seeing a lot more housing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how many hundred that is, we have to wait and see. How many hundred? Yes. Well, it will be. Ambitious. It will be, certainly. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's the objective of the fund, is to make this um, scalable. And taking a partnership approach, of course, allows us to scale it even more. So, um, you know, the 90-odd million that we're starting off with, uh, which will grow with, as other investors join, uh, is only part of the capital that will deliver these houses because we're taking this partnership approach. So, you know, we would expect uh, in five years' time it will be multiple hundreds of, of homes. So we're, we're out there um, every other week at the moment. Uh, meeting people, doing the um, you know the hard mahi on the ground, um, and, and we're certainly not trying to you know parachute into <laughs> different parts of the Bay of Plenty and, and suggest that we uh, we know all the problems or even uh, know all the solutions. Far from it. We're just looking to find the right people who are who have that knowledge, who know what they're doing, have a plan, and just need a little bit of capital help. If you look at some of the big challenges facing New Zealand at the moment, you know, whether it's cost of living, whether it's mental health, whether it's kids and education, if you really drill underneath what's driving a lot of those, it's a lack of safe, affordable and a secure accommodation in the housing. And so if we can resolve a lot of that housing and give those people that safe, secure, affordable housing, it's going to resolve a lot of those downstream impacts that, you know, the government um, and the community are spending millions and millions of dollars cleaning up the impact of not having enough and the right type of suitable housing in New Zealand. So our focus is not, you know, 
at the bottom of the cliff, it's actually to you know try and fix some of the system change we need at the top of the cliff. That's it for today. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Gwen McClure. Thanks to Ina Ratahi Pryor, Roy Thompson, and Alistair Rhodes. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Matewa.